I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we have got a lot to get to. Um, we've got some good news. We've got some bad news. We've got some big news. We've got some stories to keep an eye on. So a little bit of everything, all areas of the spectrum that way in terms of Wisconsin football, Wisconsin athletics. Um, we've got, of course, some big transfer news incoming. And, of course, some losses to the Wisconsin football personnel. So, we, you know, for a show in early June, we've got a lot to discuss, which isn't always the case. You know, normally this is kind of a slow time of year, but a lot happened. And uh, thankfully we're recording this on Wednesday morning rather than Tuesday morning because it all seemed to come to fruition uh, Tuesday afternoon into Tuesday evening. So it uh, should be a fun one. Hopefully you guys enjoy us catching up on everything that way. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty fitting that we we kind of paused. We were like, hey, let's wait till Wednesday morning because we knew that there was a chance that the Badgers might land a commitment, and sure enough, it kind of worked in that way. We 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 didn't see some of the other news coming. I mean, it was kind of swirling, but um, definitely an action-packed show. And I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it was a it was a nice long weekend, but uh, it worked out perfectly that we uh, pushed it back a little bit uh, and, and and got this delay to to touch on a lot of news because if we were would have recorded Tuesday morning, I don't think we would have had most of this to talk about. But uh, thankfully, we did, and we'll start with the good news. Uh, might as well get that going first. Wisconsin football lands running back transfer Chaz Malusi. We've talked about him a ton on the show already before he was even officially a Badger. Um, now, after his visit yesterday, or I should say the first, um, he is officially going to be part of the Badger family, announced via his Twitter last night. So a huge pickup for the Badgers. I mean, we've talked about the running back room and, and kind of the issues that they might be having without a player like him. Tesmalusi coming in kind of helps at least make you feel a little bit better about some of those issues that they were having um, of course, after spring ball. So how big of a get is this to land a player of his caliber to UW? It's big, especially when you look at the the complexion of the roster and the way that everything is set up. It really adds a dynamic to to the room that that they just don't have. Um, he he's a patient runner who's got really good vision and and body control. He's not going to wow people with like be a burner or anything like that. But I think he can help them out not only as a guy between the tackles on the outside, but also uh, in pass pro and I and as a receiving threat out of the backfield. So I think when you look at what they needed, he hits a lot of the check marks that, that they were looking for. And, and the fact that he's going to elevate the talent level in the room. Um, 
I, I know he's he's transferring from Clemson, which I mean that's it's a great thing because it means hey he he's he was the caliber of athlete coming out of high school that Clemson wanted. Um, but then there's also question marks of like why he's transferring, right? So, um, but you look at it out of high school, it he had Clemson, Auburn, LSU, Miami, Michigan, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, like Texas A&M, USC, like those are legit really good offers and he's a kid that was army all-american guy and anytime you can accumulate talent bring in players that are going to be able to help you out i think you do it and given their the issues that they have and i know we're going to talk a little bit about the depth chart there i think they needed to go out and get a running back and they did it and they landed one of the top running backs from the transfer portal he has just as many carries as isaac garendo and jalen berger have combined in their course of their careers so you're looking at a guy who, while he doesn't have a lot of experience where he's played a ton, he's played in 20 games. It's more than anybody else in that running back room. He's gotten carries. He's performed well. He's averaging six yards of carry over the course of his career, put together um, seven total touchdowns. So he's played high-level football, won a national title. He's a very talented player that I think people should be really excited about because I, I envision that him and Berger are going to kind of team up to be a one-two combo. Yeah, I think that part's the the huge part is that he he when you look at it, you know his numbers aren't necessarily huge at Clemson, but they're huge compared to a lot of the guys you know on the Wisconsin football roster in the running back room right now. So um, a pickup like him is is going to be I think uh, a really big gap for Wisconsin um, to have that one two punch. You know I don't I don't think he's going to come over uh, to Wisconsin and be you know, the starter and, and take away any carries from Jalen Berger. I think there must have been an understanding that he's going to come in and be kind of that one-two combo with Jalen Berger that I think will make Wisconsin football and in their running game much more dangerous. I mean, you couldn't, you just couldn't feel comfortable about what they had coming into, um, you know, this, this upcoming fall season with where they were at before this pickup. So it makes a ton of sense that he came of course, you know, had his visit, must have checked all the boxes because it wasn't long after his visit that he was announcing um, his commitment. So I, I think it's a really big get to give them some depth. I, I think he's, and, and like you mentioned, he, he had a lot of offers. He's played a good amount of football at a high caliber school like Clemson. So it's not like he's a guy that, that, that flamed out at his previous place. It was, you know, a situation where he played a little bit. Travis Etienne in front of him. Clemson's a really talented place, and now he gets a new opportunity to come over and make a name for himself a little bit more at Wisconsin, and I think he'll have a great opportunity to do so. Um, you know, There's a ton of carries to go around in this room, and he's a guy that I think will, will take a bulk of them for sure. Yeah, and, and Clemson had L.J. Dixon still there. They brought in mm -hmm. um, the number three running back in the class uh, it, the year after he came in. That um, and, and Travis Etienne, I, I know we love to talk about Wisconsin backs and just how talented they are. Travis Etienne almost broke Monte Ball's record for touchdowns. Like he is, like he was behind a a universally loved player in their program that played all four years ended up being a first-round draft pick. So there's a reason that he didn't get as many touches as he probably would have liked there. It's because he was stuck behind a really, really talented player. And now he's coming in. I anticipate that him it, it might be a 70-30 split, 40-60 split, where um, Berger gets the bulkier carries, but there's plenty to go around. And having two really talented running backs, both Army All-Americans, which usually isn't the case with Wisconsin, uh, definitely is is something exciting, and I think it adds a nice element to the backfield. 
We've talked about it a little bit, but with Malusi now in the fold, I mean, I think it sounds like, at least from both of us, what we're kind of saying is, is Jalen Berger is going to be your 1A, but, but Chaz Malusi is going to be your 1B, classified maybe as a 2. Um, and, and then after that, it's those same guys, you know, Isaac Arendo, Julius Davis, an opportunity to get healthy, play, and, and make an impact, but maybe not as much pressure and maybe not as significant if for some reason one of those guys is still injured and can't go. So, how does the running back shape, you know, the room kind of shape up in your eyes? Is, is it kind of those two at the top and then see what you got from the rest or, or something different? I think it's definitely those two at the top. At least I would be surprised if it isn't. Um, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see if Julius Davis can find his footing and, and maybe grab that third spot or if Isaac Carendo is healthy. He's a guy who I think could grab that third spot. There's always Brady Shipper, which I think um, he's a nice – uh, backup plan that can help you out in a pinch. Um, but, but really, I think they'd want one of those two guys, either Grendo or Julius Davis, to step up. Both both have had high marks. Like they've had careers, high school careers that are, are standout. We've seen flashes. We've heard things about Isaac Grendo and his speed. So that would be a nice element because while Berger and Malusi are both really talented backs, they're not quite the burner that uh, he is. So maybe that, that would give him an opportunity to play. Um, but it also might open up the opportunity for Garendo to return kickoffs, which I think would be helpful um, as well because um, and, and you don't have to worry about him just being pigeonholed at running back. But then there's all those freshmen coming in, and, and that's, that's going to be fascinating. Can one of those guys just leapfrog those two that are fighting behind as well? So I think right now I would lean towards it would probably be Garendo as your third guy, but at the same time, Julius Davis or one of the freshmen could easily jump up and grab it. Yeah, and I, I just like that it this this pickup of Ches Malus, you kind of take some of that pressure off of those guys where if they're healthy and ready to go and can give you something at that third running back spot, great, you know, awesome. It's it's never bad to have multiple running backs. Um, but, you know, the situation prior to that was you were relying on one of those guys to, to really make not only make a step up but also continue to be healthy and be out there uh, quite a bit. So this gives you a, a nice layer of depth, gives you a really quality player. So... I think the running back room, you know, the, the last couple of weeks we did grades, and that was the room that was much more concerning um, than most of the others. Now there's not as much of a concern because you've got that added layup depth there, uh, which is really, really good. And, uh, you know, you talked about the freshmen coming in a little bit. Of course, the other change to the running back room is Braylon Allen, uh, the four-star athlete, just a monster of a kid out of uh, Menominee Falls High School. Uh, said that he will start at running back for UW when he arrives on campus. So really not all that surprising. We knew it was likely going to be that he was going to start working out at, at running back or you know probably at inside linebacker just given the size that he has put on, the strength that he's put on. Um, so it makes a ton of sense that that's where he's going to start. Of course, you can always transition there. But what do you make of, of that news that which will add on um, you know a little bit more to that running back room depth? Yeah, I think he he definitely brings a different dynamic given his size and strength. Um, we'll see if he sticks there or if he eventually shifts back to linebacker or maybe even gets a chance at fullback just because I think he could be a monster there as well. But I think it's it, it makes sense to start him there given the fact that he might be more ready to play at that position than he is at linebacker right now. And the fact that there is a log jam at linebacker and there's plenty of players ahead of him that's going to make it really tough to crack the depth chart. Um, but, but really, 
I, I think in the end he's probably going to end back on defense, but but you never know. He put up monster numbers, did some really good things there as running back in high school this past season, and he's raw. But you you look at it, his his blend of size, strength, and speed, and We'll see. I, I think he's he's kind of a project because he's really going to be stepping on campus as a 17-year-old. Um, so he's a, a whole class behind. I think either way he's redshirting. So right now you're you're working with a ball of clay and trying to figure out where is best to place him. And um, at this point they're 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 seeing how thin they are at running back. Kind of unsure with with both Davis and Garendo of where they're going to be at. Maybe he's a guy who can jump up and grab that third spot because he is so different than the other two and that the other two are more smooth, um, smaller backs that can help you out in a lot of different ways, whereas he might be your thumper and can get some carries. So I like it, um, but I I do think that maybe defense, putting him at inside linebacker could really um, bring about a nice change because he is so athletic for that position. Yeah, I think it's – a good experiment to start where maybe you see what he can do at the running back room at the collegiate level. Um, put him in there. Just kind of see what he's got. You know, like you said, the, the inside linebacker room right now is not a pressing need, so there's always the ability that, you know, future parts of his career he could transition back there and, and make an impact. It's not like they're going to peg him and in the running back room and, and keep him there if if it's not working out. He's too much of a, you know, he's too much of an athlete to – um, you know, be be linked to one spot and not be able to move. He's a guy that you can move around, and he's just a, a football player that can, can really do a lot for either side of the ball, depending on where his, his future kind of lines up. So I think it's good to at least test it in the in the early part. I would say if you had to pick where he's going to be, you know, a couple years down the road, I would agree. I think at, at this point he'll be at that inside linebacker spot, the future parts of his career. But there, there's these ha- these situations happen all the time where a guy comes in and starts at a certain position and ends up somewhere else or vice versa. You know, they start coming in as, you know, uh, a tight end and they end up as a linebacker or somewhere, um, you know, in that you know position switch all the time. And it's very common in college football. So it's a good, you know, starting point for, for him to try out. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. It, it could be good. And if not, you know, you, you switch him back to that defense side of the ball. And I bet you he's, he's still a star at some point in his career. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. And and I think it's also important to note that both Jackson Acker and Loyal Crawford could be on the move to different positions as well. When you look at the kind of the fact that right now they are bringing in four running backs. I think Antoine Roberts is for sure a running back. He's going to stay there. He's not like a kid who's going to bounce to a different position. But I would anticipate that Jackson Acker ends up at fullback. I think that just makes a ton of sense given the complexion of their roster and kind of his size and skill set, he reminds you a lot of Austin Ramish coming out of high school. He's a super, super talented running back, um, similar size at 6'2", 220, could easily add a few pounds and end up being a really good fullback. Um, and and then Will Crawford, there was talk of him being best projected to be safety at some point. So given everything going on, there's a lot of flexibility with those four freshmen coming in, um, specifically the three. And I would anticipate that there's going to be at least two of them that end up somewhere other than running back based off of the fact that Braylon Allen's being brought in at running back to start. Um, I, I think you you got to remember that they signed this class before Gary Brown got on, and he might have a very different vision of what he wants out of his backs. And both um, both uh, Jackson Aker and Will Crawford could be guys that could easily shift and play somewhere else and, and be very valuable there. 
because Acker reminds me of, of Ramish so much, or even a guy like Brady Ewing, who I know a little less athletic from your neck of the woods, but he, he was a very talented player, really good running back in high school. Um, and I, I could see it kind of going in that way, where they come in at a running back and then quickly shift to fullback, add a really athletic body to that position. I totally agree with you. All right, we've talked about the good news. Now it's time to talk some bad news. Um, Wisconsin's director of player personnel, Saeed Khalif, is departing UW to take the same position at Michigan State. I don't think there's any other way to put it. This is a brutal blow for the Badgers um, in terms of timing. Uh, of course, visits just starting up uh, on the first with the dead, pen- dead period going away. What do you make of that situation? Of course, it sounds like there's an opportunity at Michigan State, and we know, we'll talk about it here in a second, UW's lost some pretty good assistance, but I think just at the surface, this is a tough blow. Saeed Khalif has done such a good job in, in the role that he was in for the Badgers, especially these last few years, helping develop some of these recruiting classes. So it's certainly a tough pill to swallow for the Badgers. Yeah, I mean, and you you – Pair that with the fact that they lost their on-campus coordinator the same day to to Notre Dame, and it's it's a pretty big gut punch for Badgers. You you look at this month of June, and it's an unprecedented month because you've got 15 months worth of players not being able to be on campus. And we're going to talk about the fact that they've got multiple camps going on this this year. They've introduced the fact that you can look at players and and have them work out for you one on one. That you add in the element that you have all these official visits where people are coming on, and it's it's really tough to lose two key members out of your recruiting staff. Khalif is is a presence, and he really helped them in recruiting because he he he's, was a a figure that um, kind of led the charge, had a lot of in person communication with a lot of players um, and, and virtual communication. So I think it's it's important to note that it's it's a big blow because of his presence and what he brought. But I think the bigger thing is just the timing of it, like you mentioned, where the Badgers have such a huge month at hand. And to to kind of lose somebody who has been laying the groundwork, been doing so much to kind of prep everything um, to this point, and, and it's, it is tough. I, there's no real way to look at it and say, yeah, this, this is a positive. We'll see kind of what it means. I can't imagine being Jens, uh, Jensen Jebhardt and um, Jamar Morris and trying to work through and do everything without two other members on the team. But I, I think they'll be fine, and, and hopefully they have some good news later on this week when they have the official visitors coming on. But but definitely the the commitment of Malusi is positive because it means, hey, it wasn't just based off of Khalif and, and what he was doing, but, but it's still it's a, it's a pretty big loss like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big loss no matter when, but when you pair it with the timing of of this month and, and you know this weekend being such a big um, couple weeks for Wisconsin football, it, it certainly doesn't help. Um, there's uh, there's a lot going into this month and a lot at play. So to be down a, a couple members of that staff is is certainly important, but in the long term, it, it's going to be impactful as well. Like you said, he had a presence. If you've ever you know, heard his pressers or listened to the talk, you can tell he, he's got a deep passion for the kids that he works with and the kids that he gets to know and, and the place he was at. I'm sure he'll bring that same um, energy to Michigan State in a positive way, but for the Badgers to lose out on a, a personnel like that is, is pretty uh, a tough. And really for UW, you know, they've now lost out on some pretty good assistance. You know, you saw it talk about Kentucky, Vanderbilt, uh, Bud Meyer to Colorado State. That one may be a little bit more of a situa- different situation. Michigan State, you know, you've now lost two assistants there. 
part of that is, of course, success at Wisconsin. You're doing things right, and that means your assistants are going to move on. But I think there's a bigger part in play uh, as well, and is that issue of, of not necessarily paying assistants that top dollar starting to catch up to the Badgers a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's been happening for a while. Um, outside of Jim Leonard, who's getting paid an astronomical number over a million dollars, you look across, and, and most guys are not getting paid to the top level or in the top 20 of their position. And sure, it, it definitely haunts them a little bit, and it, it seems like it, you looked at this has been an issue since Bielema left. This was an issue when Gary Anderson, who, thank God, is gone, left. But you look at it, and losing losing coaches to Kentucky, Vanderbilt, like Michigan State, like teams who Wisconsin prides itself at being above and to um, be doing things better. And, and I know people will also say, like, hey, the Badgers have so much revenue. Why aren't they doing it? Well, revenue isn't the only thing. There's expenses that go into it, and we don't know the exact profit that's happening and what the uh, the margin is there. But but I, I would think that if if they really wanted to, they could probably be paying Khalif a little bit more, and it seems like Michigan State's willing to. We saw just how huge of a raise um, Gilmore got when he left to go to Michigan State. I would anticipate it's going to be similar Khalif, for Khalif, and um, that stings for the Badgers. They've been doing fine for years. I'm anticipating it'll be the same. Um, but it's still one of those things where it's it's not great optically to see some of your top assistants heading elsewhere for lateral moves and and taking a pay increase to go to a place like say Vanderbilt where or Kentucky where it's it's not a team that has had nearly as the success you've had for for decades now. Yeah, and I think that part is the important part is is kind of the. The, the lateral move, you know, you talk about John Budmeyer. He, of course, you know, got a got an opportunity to jump up and, and be um, a little bit more at Colorado State. So that one makes sense. But when you're just talking about guys moving, you know, to the same position elsewhere um, at a place, you know, I, I've never been to East Lansing, but I'd have to imagine Madison's a pretty cool place, and it'd be hard to beat that. So at the end of the day, it's likely a situation of of money being that determining factor. So. Um, it, it certainly, I like that you brought up, you know, that it doesn't look the best optically. Cause I do think, again, the, the Badgers will be okay. You know, they've got some of these you know, positions that they've lost out on already filled. Um, and, and you feel good about the guys that are there at least right now, but you haven't seen a ton from, um, the likes of, of Alvis Witted right yet, Hank Oti just yet, just because they, they're so new. So that the jury's probably still out there. Um, uh, but at the same time, you, you certainly, you don't want to be losing top assistance all the time. I think the Badgers will recover, but it's certainly a look that um, continues to make you, head your, you scratch your head when you see some of these positions and, and the places these guys are ending up and, and not being to at least, maybe we're biased, but at least to the, the level that UW and, and Madison has been um, for, for quite a long time. Yeah, and I, I've been to East Lansing, and it's nice, but it, I'm biased. I'd rather <laughs> be in Madison. But I'm sure Khalif has his reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. he went. He was a he was a graduate of Georgia Tech and left there to come to Wisconsin. So he he has wanted to climb. He must feel as though Michigan State is a better opportunity, whether that be because of a difference in pay or um, eligibility requirements to get into the university, which are very different, or a combination of both. But it doesn't change the fact that it doesn't look great for Wisconsin, and it's 
the worst part is the timing. It, it really is just based off of the fact that there's so much going on this month, and I, I can't imagine the burden that's going to be falling on some of the the interns that that were uh, Khalif had brought on, and and some of the other people in the organization who are going to be working their tails off because they've got a lot of official visitors coming, and I know we're going to talk about that later in the week. All right, we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way. We've talked the good news. We've talked the bad news. We've got some big news to still touch on, so stick with us through a couple of quick ad reads, and then we'll get into that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Big news is, of course, the new athletic director for Wisconsin Athletics. Now, this is only per reports. There has not been an official announcement from Wisconsin. That is is expected sometimes sometime Wednesday. Um, but it sounds like, uh, according to everything that everyone is kind of putting out there, it's pretty much a done deal that Chris McIntosh will be named the new athletic director for Wisconsin. Uh, of course, a former player for Wisconsin football from 1996 to 1999. Makes a ton of sense. He's been on the UW staff since 2014 and was named deputy AD in July of 2017. Kind of seemed like the guy that was Barry's guy from the jump to, to maybe take over that position. So I, I think it seems like they they you know they did their due diligence. They had a lot of good candidates. It sounded like they were... Um, eventually going to go with Chris McIntosh, and of course now it looks like that's going to be the case. So what do you make of this choice as the the new leader of Wisconsin Athletics? Yeah, I, I think I know for, for both of us this is something that we anticipated and kind of knew was coming. It was, I think really the search was more about having to check boxes, make sure that uh, they did their due diligence, but really you're looking at it. Uh, it's tough to find a better candidate when you consider the fact that he was a he was back to back captains when they went to their Rose Bowls um, in in ninety eight ninety nine <clears throat> went on to a solid NFL career um, had, was really strong in the business sector came back with with Barry and has been kind of groomed. You look at most of the events that Barry has talked at, and even when you hear like Barry talking to LePay, McIntosh is there. It's, it's, it's been one of those things where he's been so involved with all of the decision-making as of late that I think at, at this point it was just a matter of time before he got his shot. He's a, he's a big guy. He he's walks around with a presence um, and, and kind of has that aura around him when you, when you see him at practices and are walking around and, and shaking hands, talking with everybody. He, he's been doing the day-to-day stuff. I, I think he'll be – a really strong hire can can keep things going 
And um, overall, I, I think it's a really good fit, and I think it was a, just a matter of time, really, because he, he does fit exactly what Wisconsin needed in this. And I don't think you wanted to bring somebody back from, say, northern Illinois to, to run it when you've got a player or a, a former player, a guy who's been in the program for so much, knows, knows what it's about, and is really extremely smart. And, and so I think McIntosh is a great fit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I like that you mentioned, you know, his kind of presence um, of, of what he can bring to Wisconsin Athletic in terms of just having that aura around him. Because you're, you're stepping into the shoes of, you know, an absolute legend in the state of Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez. So you, you wanted a guy that was kind of been his, I don't want to say right-hand man, but really a guy that was right with him um, through through a lot of the steps since 2014. So he was a guy, like you said, who, who knows the position going to step in well and, and give Wisconsin what they need. You know, Barry has been such a big presence, not only for Wisconsin, but in the Big Ten. I think Chris McIntosh, you know, stepping right into that, he's a guy that I think can can take on that colossal role of stepping into Barry's shoes. I mean, whoever is is going to be taking on that, that role has got not an uphill battle, but you have to just replacing a legend in any, any form, in any sport or, or athletics is – is something that you're going to be looked at with a very close eye because Barry Alvarez has done such a good job for such a long time. But I think Chris McIntosh is a guy that can certainly do that and take on that role um, you know, without missing a beat. So I, it's a hire that makes a ton of sense, and I'm excited to see what he can bring and, and also what kind of spin he can put on things for himself. You know, He's not going to be a carbon copy of Barry Alvarez, but uh, I think it's a good blend of both where he can bring in some new ideas but also – um, you know, keep Wisconsin into the principles that have gotten them to have so much success over the years. Yeah, he's an incredibly smart guy, and I think it is nice to have him with an established relationship and really close relationship with Barry already so that he can reach out to him if he has questions um, and for guidance at times. So I, I think it's it's going to be one of those things where he, he's going to do great. I think it'll be just fine. Um, Wisconsin has done really well with keeping things inside the program and and I just think it should continue to keep that flywheel moving all right we've talked the the good news the bad news the big news now we'll talk about a couple news stories to keep an eye on nothing um, this first one nothing official quite yet Um, there has been some stories some rumblings that Wisconsin volleyball uh, player Dana Retke may be returning next year. Uh, there's been there was some articles put out that have already been taken down, so it sounds like maybe somebody um, took a little bit of a jump before it was a confirmed story. But there are certainly at least rumblings that she may be back, which would be huge for Wisconsin volleyball. Um, they they've had a lot of players coming back already, but I think Dana Retke would be one that if you could land her to to come back you're in a really good spot. But again, nothing official as of yet, so maybe keep an eye on that one. But if it is the case, what do you what do you make of her presence stepping back in for UW Volleyball? It looks like it might have just been put back up, that article that I know we both were, were reading. So there's, I think, it, like six minutes ago. So I, I think it's probably going to happen. I, I think for her, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you look at it, um, volleyball, you can make some good money in, in, in professional ways. But at the same time, her, there's plenty of time. You can play professional volleyball for a long time. Um, and, and really, you look at what she could do involved with the U.S. national team, 
um, getting in with the international, with, with the Olympics, kind of being in, in limbo right now. I, I think having the opportunity to come back, she's a business major, get your master's paid for, um, and, and really still go for a, a national championship, which I think I know when we've talked to her, it's been something that she really wants and, and she thinks she can do. You look at some of her her good friends coming back as well um, and, and the talent that they should have now. I, I think you've got to be excited about what this volleyball team could look like, and I think it makes a ton of sense for her uh, individually. So I think overall having a 6-8 middle blocker is is pretty exciting and really just to have a four-time first-team All-American to lead you once again is is just absolutely massive for the program, and hopefully um, they can make waves with it here, and hopefully it becomes official official here soon. Yeah, I, I think anytime you can get back a player of her caliber, um, you'll, you'll sign up for it no matter what. I mean, she's just been dominant since the day she stepped on campus and started playing um, for UW. So having another year of that it certainly puts Wisconsin in a, in a really good position. You've seen some of the players that have already announced that they're coming back. So they were in a good spot, but, but Dana Recchi is, is really the difference maker in, in a lot of different ways where if you, you've got her – you feel really good about your chances to to compete and, and win a lot of games and, and hopefully make another run at that national title. I know they're all probably very hungry to get back to that point. So um, hopefully, like you said, that, that turns to be something that is official. It seems like already as we're recording this that maybe it is, but uh, so certainly positive news for Wisconsin Volleyball um, to go along with what seems like a huge 24 to 36 hours of news for Wisconsin Athletics and uh one other point to keep an eye on, Wisconsin football camps start up after missing all of last year. ton of quality players that will be you know, performing there. Keep an eye on this week. Might be some offers going out. What do you make of that starting up? Because I think when you talk about the dead period, you, you talk about in-person visits, everything like that, and sometimes these camps kind of get forgot about in the recruiting circuit. So what do you make of, of that process being back underway? It's absolutely huge for, for not only the 2022 class, which is just getting started with, with some of these prospects, guys just finishing their junior, but the sophomores of 2023, the Badgers have a boatload of good quarterbacks coming up, um, multiple four-star guys with offers from all over coming to, to visit. And I know we talked about that before, but having the opportunity to bring in, really you look at it, I think there's like five four-star quarterbacks or or five quarterbacks that are really, really talented, and they're all going to be duking it out for the opportunity to earn an offer. So I think Wisconsin is in a really good spot with to potentially make a few offers at the quarterback position for 2023, and it might even be a position that they might want to go for two in there if they feel really comfortable with a couple of the guys. Um, And then you also have a guy like Luna Larson from just down the road in Baraboo who's going to be coming to camp, Uh, another guy who could potentially earn an offer. The Badgers have been really, really slow, really, really reluctant to throw out offers at linebacker, both inside and outside. He's a guy who can play both, really good athlete, um, all-state kid. So I think you look at it right now, and they've got a, a lot of really good kids coming up for both the 2022-2023 camp, uh, camp on the third. I would anticipate that there's going to be a few more offers that go out. There might be a commitment, because I would anticipate that if Lark, if Luna Larson earns an offer. He's probably jumping in the boat pretty quick here. And it's really just something that is so beneficial for um, not only the players' development, but for the coaches to be able to see them in person and make those offers. Wisconsin usually does pretty well with those in-campus 
our on-campus offers. So hopefully here there might be some good news on the horizon from these camps. And then we'll talk about the official visits that are going to be happening this weekend later on um, in our next episode. Yeah, I think that part is is the the coaches being able to see these players in person is is a huge part of it. You know, this last year you've kind of been going off of you know tape and and word of mouth and and just seeing, but to be able to see a guy in front of you and you know you trust right now what Wisconsin has in terms of talent evaluators. So it's good that they can get these guys you know on campus and, and start making some opportunities um, to throw out some of those offers. You know, you want to. In the same regard, where players want to be, of course, on campus to to make a decision for themselves, you know, Wisconsin and the coaching staff wants to be able to evaluate their talent in person to make sure it's a guy that they feel comfortable, you know, offering and having as part of their system and as their culture. So, I think both sides will will really benefit from this, and it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out for Wisconsin to possibly make you know some of these offers and, and get, you know, not only the 2022 class kind of you know continue them moving, but get started on that 2023 group as well. You know, this past year has been so weird with things being shut down. We expect the the 2022 class to really start taking off here. But before you know it, you know, 2023 is going to have some guys that are going to be starting to make decisions and, and uh, moving things. So it's it's certainly a big news part of, of Wisconsin football to get those going as well. Yeah, for sure. It, it should be a really exciting week. So um, we'll have more on the next podcast to talk about kind of everything going on with the, the rest of the recruiting effort because I think more is going to happen and there could be a couple commitments this weekend. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. We'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. All right, guys, that wraps up the latest episode of the podcast. Like I said at the beginning, a lot of news that we got through. Um, a big episode, really. Uh, a lot to get to. Um, of course, some good, some bad, and some big news and, and some stuff to keep an eye on. So a little bit of everything for you on this Wednesday afternoon. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We'll be back with you later on, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.